Hell yeah. Welcome to the first edition of Mike 22, presented by <laughs> Football and Other Efforts. I'm Zach Lyons. I'm out here in the Herndon household. And uh, I got Mike Miracles, who writes for Music City Miracles. Mike B. Mike B. Herndon, is that what you go by on there, or are you Michael B. Herndon? Uh, yeah, I had to throw the uh, the middle initial in there, but uh, yeah, it's Mike, Mike B. Herndon on uh, the website. All right. Uh, so you do a weekly All-22, and yep. uh, I've, of course, chosen to go on vacation at the worst time. <laughs> uh, so... The uh, next week, I don't know how our schedule is going to work out with yeah. uh, you and Lebowski and Keith. Well, and um, it's a short week too because yeah. it'll be Jacksonville on Thursday. So that these... I'll be gone for two Titans games in Florida. So yeah. I mean, that's not it's it's okay to watch the beach or watch the games on a beach, but yeah. you know, I prefer to be with the buds. Yeah, you're gonna miss the buds. Yeah. So uh, you write the all twenty two. So you reviewed the offensive portion, and you've started getting into the defense. So yeah, I've watched the defense all the way through, and now I'm going back and clipping and getting ready to hopefully post the article today. And then uh, it was a it was a crazy game. We watched the game together. Yeah. Uh, what did you see from the defense? Obviously, Cam Wake. Right. We all. I mean, Cam Wake's been talked about ad nauseum. Just about everybody yeah. has brought him up. So let's let's commend Cam Wake for what he did. He was awesome. He was awesome. Everybody knows it. Twenty yeah. something snaps, two point five sacks. We yeah. got it. Yeah. We're good. Dominated. That, that's Cam Wake. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about some other pieces of the defense and who stood out to you besides Cam Wake. I'd say the guy that stood out. The two guys that stood out the most to me besides Wake are Amani Hooker and Malcolm Butler. Um, Butler spent a lot of time on Odell Beckham, um, and he did a really nice job with him. I mean, Odell got a few catches. I can't remember what his final stat line was, but he didn't have the big game-breaking play. He didn't just dominate and take over the game like we've seen he can before, and I think a lot of that has to do with Malcolm Butler. And then uh, Amani Hooker. Amani Hooker deserves credit for really – Two of the plays that uh, Cam Wake got sacks on. The first one was the very first sack, and Hooker was part of a group of the a group of the defensive backs that rotated in coverage. And it's a really rare blitz. Um, you don't really see teams blitz out of cover two a whole lot, or corner blitz out of cover two a whole lot, mostly because it's hard to rotate and get people into position to kind of cover that area if you do send that corner but they sent Malcolm Butler on a blitz and rotated Hooker down Bayard over and Vaccaro back and really I mean they they confused Baker because you see the corner blitz coming and you're not expecting that kind of rotation behind it so he sees the rotation Hooker is in right in my Odell Beckham's path right as Baker's trying to get rid of the ball, which causes him to kind of double pump and Wake gets home and, and gets the sack. So, And then the second play was actually uh, pretty beautiful. The, the safety, he, they're just in straight quarters coverage. This isn't even a, more or less a – this wasn't really a scheme uh, win. It was, it was kind of basic coverage. Everyone, everyone runs quarters at some point in the NFL. But Hooker's recognition 
is what made the play. And Hooker was the the safety, I guess the second guy in from the on the field side, the the wide side of the field. And his responsibility is to read the number two receiver. So you 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 know number the receivers from the sidelines. The fur, furthest outside guy is number one. Then the next guy inside is number two. Then the next guy inside is number three. When you're looking at it from a defensive standpoint. So he is responsible for covering the number two receiver if he comes vertical. Well, in this case, it was a tight end, and the tight end actually stayed in to block Harold Landry to try to try to stop Landry. And as soon as Hooker saw the tight end stay stay inside and saw that he was not coming vertical, he immediately buzzed out to uh, bracket Odell Beckham and basically took away that throw, and Baker was forced to eat it, and, and Cam Wake got home again, so... Two really smart plays by Imani Hooker. So when you say he buzzed out, was yeah. is that like a B? Does he go bzz, bzz, bzz? He does, or What yeah, does yeah. buzzed out mean? He, he's got to make that noise. No, um, so basically he buzzed out is basically he he takes a just a, like a B line, like just straight out towards the sidelines to bracket Odell Beckham. So he was lined up over the number two receiver. The number one was outside with uh, Malcolm Butler on him. And Butler was going to be one-on-one. I mean, one-on-one in coverage with Odell Beckham with no safety help behind him because that's the way quarters works. And as soon as Hooker recognized that the tight end wasn't coming vertical, he just makes a beeline over to help uh, Butler and bracket Odell Beckham. And he really, he perfectly timed, well, one, the recognition was almost immediate. I mean, he sees the the tight end start to set to block, and he immediately goes. So he didn't waste time trying to figure out, oh, is he is he faking the block and coming out? He just went, and uh, that that really is what made the play because Odell Beckham was running. Uh, it looked like a blaze out, like the the Julio route, as some people call it. It's kind of a a deep out that has a vertical stem and then a little bit of a post uh, post lean inside, and then breaks back right out to the sidelines. And it's very difficult to cover when you don't have safety help because you don't want to get beat deep on that post, and it's so hard for a corner to change direction and get back outside. But Hooker was able to take away, kind of undercut that because Odell Beckham was gonna be open, and you know, not that Butler wasn't in good coverage. It's just almost impossible to cover that route from a guy like Beckham without safety help. So, do you have anything to say to the uh, Adoree Jackson haters out there right now <laughs> because they were not happy with the uh, stat line? That I posted, yeah, and, and I mean, he only allowed forty-five yards, but yeah. he allowed a lot of catches. What What do you have to say to those people from what you saw on film? I mean, Adoree played fine. Most of most of what he did was he was playing a lot of off coverage, which tends to be, I guess, the that seems to be his tendency. I don't think he's as comfortable in press as Logan Ryan and Malcolm Butler are. Um, but he plays a lot of off coverage, which leads to a lot of catches underneath which is okay. I mean, a catch underneath, giving up four, what was it, four or five catches yeah. for 40-something yards is a good game for a corner, even if it, he's not breaking up passes or, or doing anything else like that. Keeping guys underneath and tackling, there's something to be said to, said for that because eventually, you know, you make them march down the field slowly. Eventually, you're going to get a penalty, like we saw a billion of in this game, or you're going to get, uh, you know, Cam Wake coming around the edge and making a sack, and then all of a sudden they're out of down and distance. So just being able to not get beat for chunk plays is a skill, and I thought Adoree played fine. I, I didn't think he played great. I thought Butler was 
excellent. I thought Logan Ryan was excellent. I thought Dory was just okay, but just okay is pretty good. Let's uh real quick, the last thing I want to talk about on the defense are three pieces that we really didn't hear a lot from. Yeah. Or at least during the game. And you may have seen them do other stuff. Mm-hmm. Jarrell Casey, Harold Landry, and um Rashawn Evans. Yeah. What can you tell us of what you saw? Just like one quick takeaway from each one of those guys. Yeah, I thought Casey, there were moments when he looked like himself. Um, just the quickness and ability to to really give guards fits on the inside with with that lateral quickness that's not his it wasn't his best game by any means but I don't think there's any reason to panic obviously uh Landry I will say the Browns paid a lot of attention to Landry a lot of attention they chipped or helped or put a tight end over him on I'm going to chart it out and I'll have the exact number in all 22 when it comes out on Music City Miracles but just from my review and watching it, it felt like they were probably 75% of passing snaps. They were giving some help to the left tackle because they were worried about Landry and you could tell from the way that they schemed up their offense. And then uh, Rashawn Evans, kind of like Casey, I didn't think he he played his best game. He was active. He was, you know, all over the place like he normally is, but he did miss a couple tackles. Um, so, I mean, not a bad game by any means, but probably not his best game either. And I'd, I'd like to see him get a little bit more – I'd like to see him have some success as a pass rusher because they did give him some opportunities to do that, and he didn't really get a whole lot done in that regard. So, uh, We have a wild dog in the background. It's not Huxley. Texas, <laughs> Texas just staring at me on uh, a rug. Yeah. I'm going to have to take a picture of it. <laughs> um, I know you watch, you watch these for the Titans game, but can, what can you tell us about what you saw from Baker um, – the I can't remember who had the hit on him in the last play on the second half because apparently I kind of thought that Baker never looked the same after that. Uh, the, who who did have that hit? Um, I I don't remember who did get that hit, but yeah, I I thought Baker he looked confused all game, but that really even went back into the first half. He's very Baker's a good quarterback. I I, I think you know. It's overreacting to say, oh, look, Breaker's trash after this one game. Um, when he, he's got a very accurate arm, he's got a good arm. He, when he knows what he's facing from the defense, he's able to manipulate coverage. There, there's a couple of plays that I'm going to show in the All-22 where Baker does an outstanding job of making room for a receiver uh, on that very first drive. The biggest play of uh, the drive was the big 35-yard strike to Higgins uh, up the seam. And Baker did an awesome job of forcing Vaccaro to bite down on the deep out on that side of the field or the corner out, and which opened up the uh, the deep post or uh, skinny post, I guess, to uh, to Higgins. So he does a lot of things well, but I think he was just confused most of the time. I, I think he was seeing stuff that he didn't anticipate, and then you're having to adjust on the fly, and he didn't know, know quite where to go with the ball a lot of times is what it looked like to me. And, you know, maybe maybe the, you know, whatever happened to his wrist and that hit, that might have affected him in the second half as he was probably not quite as sharp in the second half with his ball placement as he was in the first half. But, um, yeah, it, it, was, it was an interesting game from Baker. I still think he's a good player, but um, he's he's – Still, still a young player. I mean, that's that's the fact of the matter. He doesn't even have a full season worth of starts under his belt, and he hasn't seen the kind of stuff that 
Dean Pease was throwing at him in this game. Well, let's talk about, uh, let's move to the offense. Okay. Great. I thought it was a great, we'll get to Arthur Smith and game plan, Marcus and all that. Yeah. But I thought the offensive line did an admirable job against what's supposed to be a pretty stout front seven. What was your takeaways? You know, no Lawan, no, no Kevin Pampfield. Um, we have Jamil Douglas starting, and there seemed to be a lot of people who thought that, hey, <laughs> we're not going to win this game with Super Bowl champion Jamil Douglas at right guard. <laughs> so he ended up having a 100% plat- pass block win rate success yeah. percentage, right? Yep. So does that ring true to what you saw? Yeah, I mean, it does. Uh, Douglas was a very pleasant surprise, and yeah, there was a lot of people – uh, you know, I, I I posted, I believe, all of the injury articles on Music City Miracles last week. And obviously, when Pomfield went down and, you know, it was starting to look like he might be questionable for the game, there was a lot of uh, the sky is falling. Um, you know, why don't let's just cancel the game because Jamil Douglas is going to get Marcus killed stuff. So I, I was pleasantly surprised to see uh, those people be wrong because Douglas played really well, especially. I thought he played especially well in the run game. I mean, did he play a perfect game? No, he missed he missed a couple blocks. He had um he did give up the pressure on um the Mariota deep ball to AJ Brown when the defender was kind of like around Mariota's knee when when he let that ball go. Um and that was that was Douglas's man, but that was a long developing play and that's something that I want to point out about there's been some stats going around about the Titans allowing a really high pressure rate in this game. Well, pressure rate is directly correlated to the amount of time the quarterback spends in the pocket. So the Titans and Marcus Mariota spent more time in the pocket in this game than any other quarterback in the entire NFL. He averaged over three seconds in the pocket per pass attempt, which is crazy. That That's higher than anybody averaged for the entire season last year. And it's, you know, mostly due it's not a Marcus Mariota problem it's mostly due to the way the Titans chose to attack the Browns they ran a ton of play action and we'll get into that later but play action especially the long developing play action off of like outside zone is going to require you to hold up your blocks a little bit longer than either a straight play action or a, a just a straight drop back pass so the pressure rate, I think, you know, a lot of people are going to look at that and say, well, the Titans offensive line didn't play very well. They did play well. The Titans asked them to block a little bit longer and they did help them. You know, they left in a lot of tight ends. There's a reason they played so many tight ends, but those guys in the interior handled their business. Um, and I thought Jack Conklin was outstanding. Dennis Kelly held up pretty good for the most part. So I thought it was a good performance from the offensive line. Um, Let's. <laughs> I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take. He, he wants to go outside. Uh, we got a, a feisty dog wanting to get outside now. He, I thought he just hated me, but apparently he just you know has places to be, some uh, bitches to talk to outside. The Jamil Douglas, we know he did great. Ben Jones, who just got an extension, what did you see from Ben Jones as far as? What he did did at the line pre-snap, did he do a lot of pre-snap reads, or what was he good in the run block? I mean, a lot of people didn't want to pay this guy, yeah. and we, we've always touted he's at least average on his worst day, yeah. and on his best day, he's 
slightly above average. Yeah. So what did you see from Ben Jones? <laughs> Jones is remarkably consistent. Um, this was one of his better games, though. He uh, he pitched a shutout per PFF charting, and I, I would agree with it after watching all the plays myself. Um, in pass protection, he allowed zero pressures, zero hits, and zero sacks on the game. So that's that's as good as you can do. He did a nice job picking up games and stunts on the inside, which is kind of most of the time as a center, you're not going to get a direct pass rusher because especially on third downs, the, the usually you end up going a little bit wider with your defensive front and you got the guy, the defensive tackles lined up against the guards mostly. And then the, obviously the edge rushers against the tackles, but um, he did a nice job in pass protection and on the run game. I thought he was really good. Um, he didn't have any blown blocks. He wasn't getting blown back into the backfield, um, which have been issues for him in previous years where he just gets manhandled up front and let's not undersell the fact that this Browns defense especially Larry Ogunjobi on the inside is really stout in the run game I mean they they were uh they were not a good run defense last year but Ogunjobi in particular is a really good run defender and uh Jones had no issue with him or Sheldon Richardson which were the two guys he was mostly dealing with on the inside they they played really well uh, I thought Ben Jones had a really good game um, in Cleveland and you know the news coming out about the Texans I don't think we've talked about this yet the Texans extending their center uh, what's his name uh, Martin Nick Martin is yeah. that it uh, Zach Martin's brother um, Nick Martin got 11 million dollars a year and Nick Martin is definitively worse than Ben Jones so as much as people were upset that Ben Jones got an extension and is making is going to end up making like what is it six and a half million dollars a year yeah, the next two years like that that's half that's like half of what Nick Martin got and Ben Jones is a better player so yeah, we saw that Texans offensive line play so yeah. I don't think anybody on there is I think everybody there is worth like thousands of dollars it feels like besides maybe Tunsil and he didn't even have that great of a game getting an average to above average center for six and a half million dollars a year is a good thing the uh Dennis Kelly you know he did pretty well but yeah. I want to talk about Jack Conklin versus Olivier Vernon and yeah. the, the Olivier Vernon did not record a single stat line of 56 snaps I believe it was yeah he didn't do anything in fact the only pressures that he did get um because he, he was not credited with a single uh sack quarterback hit or uh tackle even in the game um which is the rare uh the rare shutout for a defensive player like that especially when you play 52 snaps but um especially when you trade your uh, a star yes. pass blocker for this pass rusher that hasn't real wasn't really good in the on the Giants, and I guess they assumed well we can fix him. Trading trading Kevin Zeitler for Olivier Vernon looks like a really stupid trade right now. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. So especially because I mean the Browns obviously had their issues with the offensive line, and right guard's a big part of that, which is the hole that they created by trading Zeitler away. Um, but yeah, Vernon was was a complete non factor. The only pressures that he did get, he had one that was on that first play on the uh play action boot where he was left unblocked and he still couldn't make the play and then on the second uh the second pressure that he got he got an inside win against uh Dennis Kelly on a play that he really shouldn't have been able to win inside because Humphreys was chipping him on the outside so that was that was one of the poorer plays from Dennis Kelly but he did nothing against Jack Conklin I mean Vernon had no chance against Jack um 
So it sounds like to me, how would you grade the offensive line? I'd give it probably, I mean, for that game and that opponent, yeah. that context, I'd say probably A-. minus. I mean, yeah. they weren't perfect, but they were really good. Uh, let's go through to the uh, wide receivers and tight ends, the pass catchers. Yeah, uh, Delaney looks like Delaney. Yeah, and uh, which is a good thing. Absolutely, because I had my doubts. Yeah, because historically, someone of that age, you know, well, shouldn't do it, and it's still it's early, but extremely rare for yeah. a tight end of his age to be putting up like really prolific numbers. But yeah, that's a hell yeah. of a start for him. Uh, Johnny Smith, uh, they got him involved in, in the jet sweep and other kind of unique ways. And I think it was funny that in the post-game uh, game ball thing that right before Vrabel handed Art Smith the ball, he's like, maybe I can get some more uh, play calls drawn up for you wide receivers. That was fine. Uh, A.J. Brown looked great. Yeah. Everybody is pretty much has... Uh, thrown Corey Davis into like the Tajay Sharp pile. Um, so Corey, da- so my big takeaway from Twitter this week is AJ Brown, elite wide receiver. Corey Davis, uh, we should probably trade him for uh, some someone else. I understand Corey Davis blocked a lot. Yeah, and I kind of view it as a good thing. That maybe okay, so he was zero for three targets. One of them was kind of a off-target throw, but we didn't need him. Yeah, that's my main takeaway: is that we didn't have to rely on Corey Davis, and we didn't we didn't have to rely on people that we have had to rely on in the past because of new additions. Yeah, what was your takeaway from the pass catchers? So uh, the first guy I want to talk about, we'll get to Davis in a minute, but uh, the first guy I want to talk about is Johnny Smith, actually. Because I absolutely loved what I saw from Jonu Smith, and I was surprised by it. Because a guy coming off of what we now know as ACL surgery um, just, what, nine months ago, he looked explosive, he looked fast on that end around, he broke a tackle and, you know, was able to get loose and, and pick up some nice yardage. He, you know, made the catch on that uh, stop route. I loved what they did with him specifically, just the different ways that they used him. His blocking was a lot better. He actually had a play where he was one-on-one with Miles Garrett in pass protection, which I don't love that that was the plan to begin with, but he held up. I mean, he did a nice job and, you know, held up for a few seconds there to, to give Marcus some time. So I thought Johnny Smith was excellent, and that is huge for the Titans. If they're going to get something out of him that's more than what they got out of him last year, which was by the second half of the season actually pretty good, this that with Walker and plus all the wide receivers becomes a really talented group of weapons for this Titans team. So I'm really excited about what I saw from Johnny Smith. And as far as the pass catchers, AJ Brown is so much fun. Oh He's yeah, just so much fun. I mean the the power and the speed. But the biggest thing that impressed me, but beyond like the run after catch ability, which we all I think kind of expected to see from him. His ability to, to win clean releases and then beat Denzel Ward, who's one of the better co- cover corners in the NFL, you know, with his route running and beat him off of press coverage immediately. The big question with him coming out was, can he win against press coverage because he played mostly in the slot at Ole Miss? And, uh, the and that's, a, that's a big thing for all rookie wide yeah. receivers because there's not – you don't see a lot of press coverage across the college. Yeah, absolutely. And um, – so, yeah, I mean, that seeing that is great. He's a violent wide receiver, a yeah. violent runner. He's I would like for him 
if he sees the end zone to go towards the end zone, yeah. not if he sees the <laughs> defender try to kill that defender. Yeah. But well, he even said on uh, yeah. 3HL yesterday, uh, they were interviewing him and they asked him about that play. And he said, yeah, I saw that guy. He was like, he's like, yeah, I went after him on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what what purpose does that serve? Does just know. to put the fear of God in him, I guess. He plays pissed off, man. He yeah. he wants to not just beat you, but destroy you. Yeah. So. I love it. Yeah, and and let me let me talk about Davis real quick and Humphreys for that matter. Uh, please refer to him as wide receiver four, Corey <laughs> Davis. <laughs> I will not. I refuse to. Corey Davis is going to have da- games where he gets a ton of catches and yards and looks like the dominant number one receiver that we know he can be. Um, today was, or Sunday was not that day, obviously, but I don't think it's a reflection on Corey Davis. The three passes that were thrown to him were all off target. The the one that maybe he could have caught was would have been an unbelievable catch over the middle for him to be able to leap up and get that and he just you know just his went off of his fingertips away yeah. yeah so it's not that he was dropping passes or or not you know contributing or not getting running good routes or whatever not get not creating separation that kind of thing Mariota just when he threw his bad balls he just happened to throw most of those to Davis and the other consideration that we need to look at here is Denzel Ward did shadow him most of the day. Ward got matched up on AJ Brown a couple times because when the Titans would go to 13 personnel and have three tight ends and a back on the field and only one wide receiver, that wide receiver was usually AJ Brown, which why, why is that? I don't, I'm not sure why that is actually. And I don't know if maybe that's uh just a way to get maybe create some deception to to kind of further the the idea that they were gonna run the ball because they actually they threw like they threw four passes and ran the ball four times out of 13 personnel which LaFleur was so crazy run heavy out of that that package last year it was nice to see Smith balance it out and really they were highly successful when they threw out of that package because the Browns were loaded up for the run game but um I'm yeah I'm not sure why Brown got that uh that role I don't think that means he's the number one wide receiver in their eyes obviously Davis played the most snaps but um it was interesting but Davis drew Denzel Ward most of the day Denzel Ward's their best cover corner he shadowed Davis so they treated him like a number one receiver and Denzel Ward held the shit out of Corey Davis like pretty much 50 percent of his routes he I mean just mugging him and Davis drew two defensive holding penalties, which picked up first downs, including one of them being on a big third down. And he frankly should have had another defensive holding penalty called when uh, on the throw that Mariota sailed over Davis's head in the middle on that deep dig route uh, that he almost got. The reason that ball sailed, in my opinion, is you can see Mariota drop and then he kind of hesitates and throws it almost flat footed because he he kind of gets off of his timing. The reason he's off his timing is because Denzel Ward grabbed Corey Davis at the top of that route to try to hold him. Davis was still able to get free and get open, but it messed the timing up just a little bit. Mariota threw it a little bit flat-footed, sailed it, and it went incomplete and went uncalled. So I think you're going to – Davis was open a good bit. There was another play where he was open, and it was one of the plays where the one of the few plays where the Browns actually got quick pressure, and Mariota was forced to flush and run. But he was looking to Davis, and Davis was open. 
Um, but unfortunately, the pressure happened. It's just one of those days, you know, is whether it was one thing or another, there are plenty of reasons, I think, that Davis did not get passes thrown his way more often. And, you know, when he did, it was usually he was getting grabbed or mugged by Denzel Ward, who was clear, clearly trying to limit him. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm not concerned about Corey Davis, and I don't think anyone should be. Yeah, I don't. I don't you think you should, should not be. be concerned about Corey Davis and Humphreys not really doing much. Yeah. that's actually kind of to me a good thing because that means that we're kind of going to spread the ball around, and uh, defenses are going to have to account if you if you account for Corey Davis ninety percent of the time. That means now you got AJ Brown running open. If you're trying to cover Humphreys with Delaney Walker on the field, you get Delaney Walker getting open. You got yeah. Johnny. This is a good thing to have mismatches because no defense, I, I at least I would say there's no defense that's going to be able to stop every one of our pass catchers. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the running backs just real quick. Derrick Henry now has two. I think he has the he's tied for the longest pass in Titans history, and he has the longest run in Titans history. Um or reception, I should say. Yeah. The um Deion Lewis drops an easy screen pass. It took a little bit for Derek to get going, which seems to be a kind of an MO for him. Mm-hmm. It's very rare that he starts off that but he got to where he needed to be quicker than he has the first half last season. Absolutely. So what did you see from those two guys as far as did Derrick Henry's pass blocking improved? Was he there on third down more than you saw? What What have you seen from from both those guys? Um, I, you know Henry. I don't know if he played any on third down. He it was rare that he was in on third down. But Henry's pass blocking, I think, improved last year, and I think it's not an issue anymore. I know that was an issue early in his career, but I really don't think it's an issue at all now. I, I think he does a nice job with it. Um, I think Deion Lewis does a nice job with it too, for that matter. But um, yeah, I thought Henry was great. He mostly picked up where he left off. Obviously, like you said, he started a little slow. I think he had like three yards on his first four carries. And then after that, he was basically averaging over five yards a carry uh, for the rest of the game. And that's without really any giant chunk plays. The, the Browns did a pretty good job of limiting him. I think his longest run was maybe 16 yards or something like that. Um, the Browns did a pretty good job of limiting him once he got to the second level, especially Demarius Randall. I thought had a good game for the Browns in that aspect. He was doing a nice job of getting Henry on the ground when he did get up to uh, the second level where a lot of teams are unable to do that. And that's how you end up with the giant chunk plays. But, um, no, I thought Henry ran well, he was in sync with the offensive line and, you know, which a lot of people were concerned about after no preseason and, and all that. But, he picked right up where he left off. He still looks like the same guy. I mean, he's pressing the hole hard. He's hitting it quick. He seems very comfortable in this scheme, which is a great thing for the Titans because if he continues to just chew up yardage and and be able to keep them on schedule and be able to, you know, give teeth to this uh, this play action passing game, that's going to be a whale of an offense to stop. Especially when you consider the fact that he's a home run threat virtually virtually every play. I mean. All it takes is him getting one crease to the second level, one stiff arm, and he's gone. Um, so, De- Dion was uh, three rushes for seven yards, and then three of four for six yards through the air. Yeah. Um, what this this Dion Lewis thing is? 
I know they're probably going to... It looks like the screen game is going to be a big part of it. Yeah. And obviously, he dropped a real easy pass that would have been a touchdown for yeah. what everybody said is going to be, you know... Something could have happened on the play, but it everybody, was very well blocked. Yeah, and, and all the screen passes were actually very well schemed and blocked. I mean, yeah. they were all, even the three that went incomplete. I mean, I think uh, I charted. I think they had five or either five or six screen passes. Two of them went for touchdowns, and then the I think the other three were incomplete, but they were all set up really well. Like yeah. they, one was dropped, one was rushed by Brown's blitz and, and forced to be incomplete. And then the other one was uh, another good play by Brown's defender to, to come up and uh, beat the left tackle out to Delaney Walker. But So so what are you thinking about Lewis right now? I mean, just, I, I just he's there. He's fine. Yeah. I mean, like, I know he's not going anywhere or anything yeah. like that, but do you think that he'll be able to rebound here soon? I, I mean, I don't think – I think it's Henry's backfield. So I, I think you – We'll probably see maybe one or two game, one or two series a game where Lewis is is kind of the main running back on first and second downs. Other than that, you're going to see Lewis is the third down back, and he's good in that regard for the most part. He, the drop thing isn't hasn't been an issue in his career, so I'm not that worried about the one drop. Obviously, you'd love to have all of them, but uh, those things will happen from time to time. But I don't know. I, I think Lewis kind of is what he is. He's, I think he's better than a lot of Titans fans think he is because unless he's just really deteriorated from a skill set standpoint over the past two years, he was one of the best running backs in the league in 2017, legitimately. I mean, he absolutely dominated, and it wasn't just the Patriots' magic dust uh, on him. He was breaking tackles. He was dynamic. He was, I think, second, or he was in the top five for sure in PFF's uh, elusiveness rating, which is basically a formula that calculates broken tackles and yards after contact and kind of blends them together to create like a, a metric for how elusive and how much value a running back is generating by himself. So that's not a coaching thing. That's a that's a Dion Lewis thing. Um, the Titans need to see him get back to that, obviously, or would like to see him get back to that, but it's nice that he can be a, you know, have a bad game just like Corey Davis and, uh, or you know, I, I would I wouldn't really say Corey Davis had a bad game personally, but Corey Davis had a non-productive game in the passing uh, side of things. But him, Humphreys, Lewis, that they can basically produce nothing out of that those three, and the Titans still put up thirty-four offensive points and dominate. Let's talk about the uh, main course for everybody. We got. Uh, Marcus, who yes. had a we we me and Lamowski graded him. Uh, I did a B and he did a B minus. What would you put a letter grade on Marcus, and would that letter grade change significantly if Dion Lewis had scored his touchdown? Um, for me, I'd probably say like C plus. Like I felt like he was about. Oh, he was. He was average. Am I? To, was like, I higher on Marcus? Average. I can't believe that me and Lebowski were higher on Marcus than you. But I guess I mean, you went back and watched the tape. Well, yeah. It, it's not. It, it's not that I think he played bad. So you're saying he's a C plus quarterback? <laughs> well, in that game, yeah. Uh, I don't think this was one of his better games, and I don't think that's like controversial to say that he was not accurate in the first half. He missed several throws that he should have made that were open. Um. In, you don't want to see that, obviously, but 
on the other hand, he did play a very smart game. So I would say, you know, probably a C plus. Yeah, he's wow. He was. I'm, I am was shocked. Okay. I I kind of expected you to go like A minus or B plus. A minus. Yeah, no, A minus would be if he's out here making high level throws and difficult throws. I mean, frankly, it's great that the Titans were able to win a game and have Mario to put up big numbers in a game where he didn't play that great. I mean, he yeah. was just kind of playing within the flow of the offense, and he executed. I'll give him very, very high marks on executing the offense uh, and just generally making smart football plays. He was smart with where he went with the ball. Um, I thought he didn't didn't take a lot of unnecessary chances, which is always a good thing. So I think those aspects are great throwing physically throwing the ball i didn't think he had a very good day so that's why i that kind of drags him back down for me so what do you mean that he didn't have a very good day like what what is what is dragging this score down to the point is it accuracy is it the timing on throws i mean what what is it specifically i'd say it's a little bit of it's it's a blend of the accuracy and the timing he was really late on a throw to tajay sharp where sharp was actually open but he was late and it allowed the corner to close and break it up so was tajay not late on is that a different tajay throw than the one that he may have got out of his break slow yeah that you're thinking about the corner route this was like a shallow cross or, okay. or kind of dig route um that that Tajay was open on early and he for some reason hesitated and by the time the ball got there the corner had closed so um it is there's some timing issues obviously he sailed a few to Davis he missed AJ Brown on that out route um he just wasn't he wasn't as accurate as we're used to seeing him, which accuracy has never been an issue for him. So I'm not, uh, you know, panicking about it or saying he's never going to be good or anything like that because of this. But it just wasn't his A A plus stuff. You know, I thought he was okay. Um, he played a smart game, and I mean, if you're going to ask me, uh, would you rather have a smart quarterback or an accurate quarterback? I'll take the accurate, or I'll take the smart quarterback every day over the accurate quarterback because just not making mistakes and playing within the flow of the offense is critical. So I'm, I'm happy that he was able to do that. You'd like to see him be able to throw the ball a little bit more accurately in the next game. But again, like we said with Davis and like we said with Lewis and some of these other guys, it's wonderful that they were able to win 43 to 13 in a game where he didn't have his a stuff from an accuracy, accuracy standpoint. What what about his eyes? You know, a big, big knock on him has been, when he starts seeing opposing team colors, he drops his eyes. Did you see an improvement there, or did you see him still kind of want to do that? I saw a little bit of an improvement there. I thought the A.J. Brown, uh, the first A.J. Brown catch, the 47-yarder in that first drive, was a good example because there was color coming towards him, and it was in his field of vision, but he stepped up and delivered an accurate ball anyways. And that's a really big plus to me, because that and that also showed – you know, hey, he's he's willing to let it go deep. You know, I want to see more of that from him. See see him attack down the field and that kind of thing. And I think we will. This game was a lot of prepackaged stuff and relatively simple reads. That's why I'm I'm hesitant to give him a huge grade for this game because he was basically just executing what was laid out there for him, and he did a good job with that. But you, if from a pure quarterback standpoint, you want to see little bit more accuracy so let's get to arthur smith obviously i've already heard people outside of the nashville media 
say that he's a front runner. Him and Kellen Moore are front runners already for coordinator of the year. I mean, that's yeah. pretty big for people outside of Nashville to say that's that. That's interesting. Um, by week five, will Arthur Smith still be on this team or will he have taken a head coaching <laughs> job? Yeah, he's, he's already uh, getting calls from, uh, you know, the Dolphins or somebody. But, I mean, it was a great game. It was a great it was amazing. game. And yeah. I, you, you say that basically Marcus took what was given to him or mm-hmm. he just kind of went down the thing. I mean – that means that Arthur Smith was able to draw up plays that made Marcus's life a lot easier. Absolutely. And that's something Marcus hasn't had a whole lot of in his career. I, I thought Wizen Hunt, for all of his faults, and there were plenty, he was a good play caller. And I think since that point, Marcus hasn't had a whole lot of help in that regard. He may have help now based on what we just saw from Arthur Smith. And that's a huge thing. I mean, that's a huge thing because – when you think about Jared Goff, and jo- Goff has his detractors, and and there's also part there's also people that love Jared Goff, but a lot of what Goff does is because McVeigh gives it to him on a silver platter, right? So he's put up enormous stats, and he's put up you know great seasons as a quarterback because it's all laid out there for him by McVeigh, and that's what a play caller can do for a quarterback, even a young guy who's still kind of learning the position for himself. So I think, you know, Goff has plenty of arm talent and is going to end up being a good quarterback because he's, it's not like, you know, none of this is going to be absorbed by Goff. You know, he's, he's getting this masterclass in offensive football from McVay every day. And eventually that's all going to be Goff's knowledge moving forward. And that's the kind of stuff that you want to see for Marcus Mariota. And that's, that's what comes from an offensive coordinator that knows the personnel better than any offensive coordinator the Titans have had in the past at least five or six years because Arthur Smith has been here for, what, since 2011? Yeah. I think that's right. Um, he, knows the, he knows the personnel better than anyone in the building. You know, so Arthur Smith blew me away. I love the heavy play action. The Titans were one of five teams that used play action more than – there was like a group. If you looked at the the charting according to PFF, there was a group of five teams, and it was the Ravens. Um, it was the Ravens, Cowboys, Vikings, Chiefs, and Titans. And right. it goes 50%, 46.9, 45.5 for both the Vikings and the Chiefs, and then we were at 43.3. And the Ravens won 59-10. Cowboys won 35-17. The Vikings won 28-12. And I think that... Like, did I read something that, like, Kirk Cousins only had, like, 98 yards or something? He only attempted, I think, 10 or 11 passes. That's crazy. And then the Chiefs won 40 to 26, and the Titans won 43 to 13. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in no team besides those five was over 35.7% of play action rate. So, what that tells you is, one... Play action's highly effective, but we've known this for years. I mean, they, they've done studies. Uh, Josh uh, Hermsmeyer uh, did a study a few years ago and showed that play action boosts passing efficiency by almost 1.4 yards per attempt, um, and that was actually for last year's uh, stat. So 1.4 yards per attempt is a huge deal. I mean, that's that's a big efficiency bump. So using play action, using play action often, has been proven to be extremely effective and there's 
And, you know, it's an obvious reason for it. It makes all of your windows bigger in the middle of the field because your linebackers are getting sucked up. And, you know, the studies from uh, Ben Baldwin and guys like that that show more play action does not necessarily decrease its effectiveness. You can run play action as many times as you want. Players continue to bite. And he actually did a study, Ben, ben Baldwin did a study that, or no, this was uh, the Hermsmeyer study. Hermsmeyer did a study that showed using uh, the next-gen stats tracking data, all the, the player tracking data where they've got the chips and the shoulder pads that show where the players are on the field. He measured the l- amount of movement from the linebackers on a play-action pass from the first quarter to the fourth quarter and you know statistically plotted that distance against the number of play-action attempts, the success of the running game before that point, all of that stuff. And basically what he found was it doesn't really matter how successful your running game is. It doesn't really matter how many times you've run play action. Play action is going to move the linebackers a certain amount every play because linebackers read run first. And that's first and second down, especially that's, that's always the way it's got to be because if you don't, you're going to get gashed in the running game. And I mean, teams that, that figure out, Hey, these guys aren't even biting on play action. Yeah. You turn back to the running game and really dare them to, to continue doing that. But teams, that's why teams don't, they always bite on the play action and running it as much as possible. Makes sense. The Titans ran 17 pass plays on first and second down outside of the, there was the one uh, two minute drill drive at the end of the first half. But excluding those plays, which obviously that's a passing situation and and play action doesn't make a ton of sense right there. So, But on every other drive of the game, first and second down, they ran 17 passing plays, 13 of them they used play action on. So, And they were wildly effective. Marcus Mariota's numbers uh, with play action, 7 of 11 on, on attempts. And if those numbers don't match up, obviously, with the 13 – Obviously, that's taken out sacks and and plays that he didn't actually throw the ball. So, 7 of 11 for 217 yards and three touchdowns, which is almost 20 yards per attempt. That's insane. Which is stupid. And if you even if you say, all right, well, you know, obviously the Derrick Henry screen was a play-action play, um, which is beautifully designed. Even if you take that play out and just say, all right, let's ignore that, it's still... Six of ten for 142 yards and two touchdowns for a yard with a yard per attempt of 14 over 14. It's insane. That's still insane. Yeah. So I hope that this continues to be the direction that Arthur Smith takes this offense. They, I want to see them continue to you know wear teams out with Henry, run the play action off of that, give Mario to easy throws. And screen game. Yeah, and keep the screen game going. Because, I mean, especially with some of these misdirection screens, there's so much that the Titans can do with this personnel group. Because if you look at who the Titans have on offense at this point, you've got Derrick Henry, who's an obvious monster. Um, but then you've got Corey Davis, you've got A.J. Brown, you've got Jonu Smith. These guys are all excellent with the ball in their hands. Even Adam Humphreys is really good uh, with, the, with the ball in his hands, even though he's a little bit of a different runner after the catch than some of those other guys. But the number of options that they can throw, Delaney Walker, another guy, uh, the number of options that they can throw out there 
that are dangerous with the ball in their hands that if you just give them some room and some blockers with a very athletic offensive line, especially once Taylor Lewan gets back, look out. I mean, because that, that group could eat on, on the screen game, and it's something the Titans haven't been good at like ever, I feel like, or at least not in the past five or six years. Um, but screens are so valuable because it's, it's easy. It, it, if you can execute them and know when to dial them up, it is easy yardage. I mean, low risk, and you're getting your playmakers the ball in space. So that's what everybody wants to do, right? So I'm super excited about the direction of this offense after one game. And some of the stuff that he even did with personnel packages, you know, Jonu Smith lining up outside as a X receiver. They had they had one snap where they had Jonu Smith uh out, out as the X. They had Delaney Walker in, in the slot next to Jonu Smith. And then on the other side of the field, they had A.J. Brown. And I think uh might have been Michael Pruitt and I think Deion Lewis out there too. So then this was an empty set, five wide basically. But out of that group, only Deion Lewis weighs less than 226 pounds. And Smith, Walker, and A.J. Brown are all incredible athletes for that size too. So they're, they can go really heavy and still be athletic and that's a really exciting combination because there's just not a whole lot of teams that can match up with that especially in a league that's more you know about finesse and speed and stuff like that the titans are going to be able to bully some teams offensively i think well let's talk about the colts game just real quick um I heard yesterday that Jacoby Brissett had was told to not go deep and so there was a lot of times where he's looking pretty slow to his reads because he's wanting to go deep, but they're telling him to take like the five yard or whatever. And so he ended up having a really high completion percentage with 192 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, he did have two touchdowns, T.Y. Hilton, who has burned Dory Jackson in the past. Yep. But I want to go to their def- defensive side of the ball. I mean, it seems to me that the defense, the defense really had a letdown compared to what people thought they were going to be. And, yeah, it's week one, so there's not a lot. There's a lot that could change between week one and week two. That's, yeah. like, the biggest the biggest difference in the NFL from game to game <laughs> to me is, like, week one to week two. Yeah. And we are notorious for letdowns after big Absolutely. wins. And the team knows that. The team is recognizing that which and vocalizing it, which I think is good. Yeah. We played a lot of 12 and 13 personnel do you think that continues, or do you think that we're going to take advantage of what I believe to be a subpar defensive back uh, group that the Colts have? I, I could see them going heavy again, um, just because the Colts, from a edge standpoint, do have some guys that scare you a little bit. Justin Houston, I still think, is a really good player. He played really well in week one. Uh, Jabal Sheard, I've always thought, has been underrated. Kamoko Ture is is a good uh, young pass rusher. So they've got some guys on the edge that could give Dennis Kelly some trouble. I'm really, I'm just not worried about Jack Conklin anymore, which is a great thing to to be able to <laughs> to feel. Um, but they could give them some trouble over on that left side. So I think they're gonna, you're gonna see a relatively similar game plan. Um, the slot corner more. Uh, for the Colts is one of their better players. So I don't know that you're going to get a huge advantage going to 11 personnel because you're basically pulling him into the slot and he's a plus matchup against Adam Humphreys, in my opinion, for the Colts. So um, 
I think you're going to see the Titans probably go heavy again. The the Colts struggled a little bit with um, the run game of the Chargers, especially on the inside. Their defensive tackles. Colts are, are having some issues on the inside, I think, on their defense from a defensive tackle standpoint. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the Titans try to take advantage of that, get the run game going, get the play-action pass game going again. The Colts are going to run a ton of zone, which – is going to be particularly susceptible to the play action game. Um, so I think you see a pretty similar game plan from the Titans going in and then, you know, obviously seeing if they, uh, if they do something different, maybe adjust off of it, but I think we'll, we'll see something similar. What do, what do you expect to see the defense do to get Jacoby off his game? The the tough thing is going to be, I think you're going to have to see the creative blitzes again, because from a, from a Russian force standpoint, I think you're you're going to struggle to be that Colts offensive line. They're a really good offensive line, legitimately talented. Um, you're really, especially on the inside where it would Nelson Kelly in there, it's really tough to beat them on on the inside. I, I think you know, Jarrell Casey. You'd probably like to get him against Glowinski as much as possible, but um, yeah, I don't I don't think the Titans are going to just line up with four and and be able to get after Brissett. So I think you're going to see some of those exotic blitzes. I think you're going to see more Logan Ryan uh, coming down, blitzing off the slot, that kind of thing. Um, but the the critical thing to me is Brissett, even though he's been in the league for a few years, he did have that one season where he started. He's not a super experienced quarterback. I mean, he's got about the same experience level that Baker does from an actual in-game standpoint. So I think like what they did with Baker, you want to throw as much at them from a defensive standpoint, coverage-wise, which they did a fantastic job of last game, and try to confuse him. Try to try to get him not trusting what he's seeing and holding onto the ball, and that that way you can get home. Devin Funches broke his collarbone. It doesn't really seem. It seems like Ebron has gone back to I can't catch any kind of easy pass, <laughs> Eric Ebron. Um, so that leaves T.Y. Hilton, which he's given us fits. What do you want to see to the Titans do? Who should be on him? How should they handle the T.Y. Hilton uh, situation? T.Y. Hilton's tough to handle. I mean, uh, he's great for a reason, and he's really tough to cover. I thought, um, you know, obviously Adoree got burned by him in that one game uh, last year, but... Uh, but you said it was all Kevin Byard's fault. <laughs> well, not all Kevin Byard's fault, but I did think it was Kevin Byard's fault on one play. Um, but I wouldn't mind seeing a Dory on Ty again. Actually, I mean, I I didn't think, despite the fact that uh, Hilton put up huge numbers against him, a lot of that was Andrew Luck just being really fucking good. So we'll see how Brissett is able to do in that regard, but. Adoree does have the athleticism to be able to run with Hilton, which is huge because very few corners can. Um, I think Malcolm Butler actually can can hold up against that as well. Butler is a lot faster than I think he gets credit for, and he um, on that interception return, that pick six, he registered the second fastest ball carrier speed in the entire NFL uh, last week. So he was, I think, second behind was it Tyreek or Cameron who was number one, but. Um, he was the second fastest person to have the ball in their hands in all of the NFL. So I think, uh, I mean, I don't know that you have to follow him with a guy. I think you probably let 
whoever cover him, kind of mix things up, try to bracket him when he can. Uh, Dion Kane is probably going to get the start, I guess, with Funchess out. So, um, you know, hopefully the other guy can hold up pretty well against Kane one on one and let you get give some extra attention to to Hilton. But the Titans did bracket uh, Odell Beckham a few times in that Browns game, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Hilton get a little bit of this, that same treatment. If, finally, before we go, something that we didn't talk about, but with Marlon Mack coming. Mm-hmm. I thought our run defense was really, really good to really keep Nick Chubb in 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 check, which I was very I was very shocked because yeah. our run defense, while we had a great defense last year, our run defense was a little suspect. Uh, what contributed to that that you saw to keep Nick Chubb in check, and what do they need to do? Will will doing the same kind of stuff work against a runner like Marlon Mack, who's a little bit less? in my opinion, a little bit less dynamic than Nick Chubb. Yeah, I thought Chubb was excellent by himself in that game. I think the the Browns failed him a few times. They had a few missed blocks. I thought Sharif Finch played a really good game in run defense, which is important because what the Titans are basically doing over there at that spot across from Harold Landry is Finch plays the rundowns and Wake plays the pass downs, which is a great uh, combination. But Finch played really well. I thought Daquan Jones played a pretty good game on the inside. Um, and then obviously Rashawn Evans is basically everywhere. Um, and Evans missed a couple tackles on Chubb that he normally doesn't. So hopefully he's able to get Mac on the ground when he gets his shots. But um, yeah, that's going to be, I think that's the biggest key. You've got to keep them. And they really, the Colts started to find that rhythm with Mac late last year. So I think that's going to be the biggest key because you can't let them just keep grinding out six, seven yards of pop on the ground um, like like they did against the Chargers. And you can't – you've got to force them into third and longs and make Brissett show you that he can convert. So that's that's going to be a huge key. I do think the Colts play – a lot different than the Browns. The Browns run a lot of 11 personnel and, and are a lighter team. Uh, the Colts are a heavier team. They're going to run a lot more 12 and 13 personnel. I think the Titans will probably see more base defense, more defensive linemen on the field. I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot more snaps for guys like uh, Brent Urban and um, Matt Dickerson, you know, maybe getting out there to, to play some this this week. So, It'll be interesting to see how uh, how they match up with that running game because that's going to be a big challenge, and that'll tell you a lot about, you know, the Titans were basically in nickel the entire game against the Browns, even when the Browns went to base personnel. Um, and I would imagine they won't do the same against the Colts. So that'll, that'll tell us a lot about kind of how that run defense can perform when they're challenged with a tough running team. Okay, well, that is it for the first edition of the Mike 22. Hopefully, we don't uh, let this uh, fall to the wayside like we did the uh, Soft Talks <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we just never got back to Soft Talks well, after a while. Hard Knocks quit being interesting. Yeah, so. that's true. Uh, I am Zebo Zach Lyons. You can follow me on Twitter at ZachWords85. You can follow Mike on Twitter at Mike Miracles. You can read his in-depth uh, article on musiccitymiracles.com. You'll have to scroll down. It's already getting pushed down because, you know, they don't know how to really run their website, <laughs> Jimmy. <laughs> well, 
Well, uh, well, I am going to. I'm trying to post the defensive all twenty two today. Gotcha. And I will link to the offensive all twenty two at the top of that one too. So uh, you can check them both. You off. can follow the podcast on at F Words Pod on Twitter. For everybody else in the football and other F Words family, you've just been F. You got F.